Listener discretion is advised. Greetings, Cabin Crew. I'm your host, Farah, and I want to welcome you to the Conversation Cabin podcast, where we delve into the strange, the paranormal, and the unexplained in all its forms. Tonight, we'll be discussing one of the most infamous and disturbing cases in American history, the story of Ed Gein, also known as the Mad Butcher of Wisconsin. Gein's gruesome crimes shocked the nation and continue to fascinate and horrify people to this day. Join me as we dive into the twisted mind of Ed Gein and try to understand what drove him to commit such heinous, disgusting acts. Are you ready? Step inside. Ed Gein was born on August 27, 1906 in La Crosse County, Wisconsin. He was the second of two boys born to Augusta and George Gein. Ed's childhood was marked by poverty, social isolation, and abuse. His father was an alcoholic and couldn't keep a job, was often violent towards his sons, and Ed's mother was a deeply religious woman who preached to her children about the evils of the outside world. Augusta was a dominating and controlling figure in his life, and Ed was deeply attached to her. She instilled in her sons a fear of God, an aversion to sin, and hatred of women. She taught them that all women, with the exception of herself, were evil and promiscuous. After Ed's father sold the family's small grocery shop, they all moved to a 155-acre farm located in Plainfield, Wisconsin. Only leaving the farm to attend school, teachers and classmates remember Ed's strange behavior, laughing randomly, <laughs> almost like he was laughing at his own jokes. Ed's mother used the farm's isolation to turn away visitors, thinking they would have a bad influence on her sons. Augusta was known to be very critical of her sons, and she often punished them severely for minor instances. She discouraged Ed from making friends, having romantic relationships, furthering his isolation, which led him deeper into the macabre. Ed was fascinated by death and the human body, often visiting local cemeteries. He would spend hours reading medical and anatomy books, fueling his strangeness even deeper. This is also when he started experimenting with human taxidermy. Ed's relationship with his older brother Henry was complicated. Henry was known to be the more outgoing and sociable of the two brothers, while Ed was reclusive and socially awkward. However, despite their differences, the brothers were known to be close and looked out for each other. 
Ed's father, George, died in 1940 of heart failure due to years of alcoholism. After his father's death, Ed became increasingly reclusive and his behavior became more bizarre. But even with him spiraling into the unknown, he became a well-known member of his community. Ed and his brother would perform odd jobs for the local residents to help their mother with the cost of running a household. He would offer to babysit for neighbors as he related more to children than to adults. A little bit on this, I would never have let Ed Gein watch my children. He was a little older at that time, not a young kid watching other young kids. A little creepy there. In May 1944, the brothers were burning away brush on their property when the fire got out of control. After the local firehouse extinguished the fire and left, only then did Ed report his brother missing. With day turning to night, a search party gathered their lanterns and flashlights to head out in search for Henry. It is rumored that Ed was able to lead the party and point exactly where his brother's body lay, face down. Don't you find that strange? The county coroner had noticed that Henry had bruises on his head, but there was no further investigation on that matter. No autopsy performed, and the death was ruled an accident. The official ruling was asphyxiation due to smoke inhalation. However, some people have speculated that Ed may have had a hand in his brother's death, either intentionally or accidentally, but there was no direct evidence linking him to this speculation. After his mother's death in 1945, Ed was devastated. He became increasingly isolated and began to indulge in his bizarre interest, developing an unhealthy obsession with his mother. He tried to preserve her memory by keeping her room exactly how it was when she was alive. Shortly after his mother's death, he began digging up and robbing graves in three local cemeteries. Ed would exhume the corpses to use the bones and skin. He began to make a woman suit so he could wear it to become his mother. Ed had areas in his home that his mother would frequent, so he sealed off the rooms, preserving them as some kind of shrine. Listeners, what movie does this sound like? Or actually, there's a series that was on TV as well. You guessed it. Psycho and the Bates Motel. And now we move on to the crimes. The first suspected victim is local tavern owner Mary Hogan, 55 years of age. Mary owned the tavern for several years and lived alone behind the bar. On December 8, 1954, after a neighbor couldn't find Mary in the pub, noticed 
bloodstains leading from the bar room and through the door out to the parking lot, Seymour Lester, the neighbor, phoned the Pine Grove chairman, Mr. Waterman, fearing something awful must have happened. Waterman came to the tavern, inspected the scene, and notified Sheriff Thompson. Everyone was in agreement. Something doesn't look or feel right. An ominous silence crept into the tavern. Let me set the scene. So the sheriff began searching the bar, looking under the tavern sinks, under tables, chairs, coming across a 32 caliber cartridge casing. Also found were some rolled change and a pair of dollar bills. The cash box stored behind the bar was lightly rummaged through, and her neighbors believed that she kept a pretty good sum of money in that box, but the sheriff couldn't confirm the amount that was missing. Other evidence logged were a few spots of blood next to a chair that had been tipped over. The table had a coffee cup placed upright and smack dab in the middle of a coffee spill. To his shock, the sheriff noticed that the few spots of blood then became a trail of blood for what he could see were obvious drag marks like a body had been dragged. Towards the back door, the blood led to the outside where blood stained the snow red and then another pull by a parking spot. This is where the victim was placed. When the crime lab arrived, they photographed the scene with one investigator opening Miss Hogan's drawer and there was a 38 caliber revolver that hadn't been fired. It seems Mary was taken by surprise as Sheriff Thompson stated the evidence showed she was most likely shot while sitting at the table drinking her coffee and reading her book. But from her habit of not letting strangers in the building and keeping the door locked in the day, this had to be someone she knew. Witnesses described seeing a dark green 1950 or 51 Dodge pickup truck with wooden racks frequenting the tavern as of late, and it was parked at the tavern before 5 p.m., but then was seen a short time later driving at a high rate of speed from the tavern. With this case, police never officially confirmed that Ed Gein killed Mary Logan, only that there was significant evidence found at his property that suggest he was involved in her disappearance and murder. We'll get more into that cabin crew in just a moment. But moving to another one of Ed's victims, 58-year-old widow Bernice Warden, a local hardware store owner. She was reported missing by her son Frank, who had come into the store around 5 p.m., noticing the cash register pulled open, blood stains on the floor and no sign of his mother anywhere. Authorities scrambled a search party and a sheriff's deputy went to the Gein farm. After searching Ed's farmhouse, the deputy found Bernice's body. The sheriff for this case, Art Schley, refused to describe how Mrs. Warden was killed, but in researching, she was shot and killed on November 16, 1957, and she had also been mutilated and dismembered. 
Also from this search, the crime scene investigators found a 32 caliber rifle that matched the bullet at the tavern of missing Mary Hogan. Additionally, a skull with bullet holes was discovered on Gein's property, which was believed to be Mary's. While Bernice Warden was Gein's second confirmed victim, there is some speculation that he may have been responsible for other deaths or disappearances in the area. When investigators searched his property, they found a number of human bones and body parts, including a collection of women's genitalia, leading them to believe that he had committed other crimes. However, he was only officially charged with the murder of Warden. Now, cabin crew, I'm going to go over a few things that Gein made with his victim's remains, which included human skin clothing. Gein would skin the corpses of his victims and create clothing and accessories from their flesh. He made masks, a belt, gloves, and leggings from the skin. Also, he made furniture. Gein would create furniture including chairs and lampshades by covering the frames with human skin. Human bones. Gein's used bones from his victims to create a variety of objects including a bowl made from a skull, a lamp made from human skin, and a necklace made from human lips. And then last but certainly not least, human organs. Gein would preserve human organs such as hearts and lungs and store them in jars in his farmhouse. Ed Gein was found not guilty by reason of insanity in the trial for the murder of Bernice Warden. As a result, he was committed to a psychiatric institution, the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane, in Wapham, Wisconsin, for the remainder of his life. Gein spent the rest of his life in the hospital receiving treatment for his mental illness. He died of respiratory and heart failure on July 26, 1984, at the age of 77. He was never released from the institution and therefore never served a formal prison sentence for his crimes. Several movies have been based on or inspired by Ed Gein's crimes. Some of the most notable ones include Psycho, 1960. This classic horror movie, which is loosely based on the life and crimes of Ed Gein, the character we all know, Norman Bates, played by Anthony Perkins, was modeled after Gein. Another movie, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the 1974 version. This horror movie was also inspired by Ed Gein's crimes. The character of Leatherface, a chainsaw-wielding killer who wears a mask made of human skin, was loosely based on Gein. Deranged, made in 1974. This horror movie is a more direct adaptation of Ed Gein's crimes. The character of Ezra Cobb, played by Roberts Blossom, is based on Gein. 
And then in the year 2000, the movie Ed Gein, which is more of a factual depiction of Gein's crimes and his life leading up to his arrest. It stars Steve Railsback as Ed Gein. And I saved my favorite movie for last, Silence of the Lambs. If you remember Buffalo Bill, played by Ted Levine, first of all, that man sent fucking chills down my spine when he did his scene putting his makeup on, playing with his nipple piercings with the song by Q Lazarus playing in the background, which it's the best song for this scene, by the way. And then he tucks his shit in and poses for the camera. That is honestly one of my favorite creepy-ass parts of a movie. Horror movie, scary movie, and of course, we can't forget his other favorite lines. He puts the lotion on its skin or he gets the hose again. Now, of course, it would only be fitting to have today's quote be by Ed Gein. I'm sure you've heard of it. One part of me wants to take her out, talk to her, be real nice and sweet, and treat her right. And then the other part wonders what her head would look like on a stick. And that is the life and crimes of Ed Gein, one of America's most infamous and notorious serial killers. Ed Gein's twisted and macabre activities shocked the nation and continue to capture the imagination of people today. His crimes have had a lasting impact on the community of Plainfield, Wisconsin, and his legacy lives on in pop culture through movies, books, and television shows. While Ed Gein's crimes were heinous and disturbing, they have also served as a reminder of the importance of mental health care and the need to provide support to those who may be struggling with mental illness. His case has helped to highlight the importance of proper diagnosis, treatment, and ongoing support for those dealing with mental health issues. I hope that by exploring Ed Gein's life and crimes, we've shed some light on this dark chapter in American history and provided insight into the mind of one of the most infamous serial killers of all time. Hey, hey, cabin crew. I hope you're all doing great. Thank you to all of my new followers and listeners. Your support means so much to me. So much. If you haven't yet, please follow my podcast to be notified of new episodes, bonus content, live shows, guests, and more. And please consider leaving me a rating or review. As you know, it helps get us out there, get other listeners that haven't been listening to listen. So please do that. I appreciate it. Um, also, if you have a suggestion or topic that you would like me to cover, uh, email me. You know the email at theconversationcabin at gmail.com. Coming soon in mid-April, I'm starting Screams of summer and I'm booking guests now so if you have a haunted object live in a haunted house had an attachment 
a demonic infestation? Did you see a UFO or a cryptid or anything in between? I have two choices for you. A, if you would like to be a guest on the show, email me at theconversationcabin at gmail.com or hit me up on Instagram or TikTok. Same thing, The Conversation Cabin. Or if you just want to type up your experience in an email and send it to me and I'll read it on the air, I can do that too. I'll also be going live in April with Cabin Crew Newsletters. We are linking the email subscription service with my Podpeen website. So keep an eye out for that. Newsletters will be filled with a scary short story, updates, normal and live episode schedules, contests, and more. And let's see, let's see. Um, am I forget? Oh, also, we set the second live episode of the paranormal project for tuesday april 11th at 7 p.m central time 8 p.m eastern i hope you join us for the continuation of the mysteries of the uina basin and last week i recorded for where the weird ones are with kevin so if you haven't checked out his podcast yet again where the weird ones are please do um i believe the episode that i'll be on will be coming out the last week of march but i had an absolutely fantastic time thank you kevin for having me on the show and of course he already knows he's going to be on my show here coming up soon and let's see um shout out to my girls courtney Haunts Podcast, Amanda One Nothing Podcast, and Vicky, Mrs. Spooky Obsessed Podcast. Please go check them out. You can find them all on Spotify, Apple, iHeart, you name it. Just I think they're everywhere. And also, I have a new follower that I promised to give a shout out to, and I keep my promises. Cozy Queen 625 on TikTok. I see you, girl. Thank you. For your follow, your listen, your support, you are the very best. Next episode will be Tuesday, the 28th, 7 p.m. Central, and I'll be covering Vlad, the Impaler. So until next time, cabin crew, explore your strange. <laughs>